the political side of it, and then there's the real story. There's a lot to unpack right there. Wasn't quite the interview I thought that was going to be. There's a reason for it. This will be officially my favorite podcast I've ever done. Max, I'm always fascinated with game design. Um, as as we, we've launched BitNile.com, which is the first what we know of to be browser-based only metaverse. We're pretty excited about it. It's active, we launched on March 1st. And I was pretty fascinated by uh, what you're working on um, as a professional mm -hmm. game designer. Uh, yeah. My daughter has just got into college for game design. She's a crazy game designer, like crazy. So I, I think she's gonna be, my daughter Asia is gonna be really fascinated with this interview. So oh, maybe you could tell the public a little bit about what you do. Um, uh, cyberpunk specifically, and maybe some other things that are exciting to you. You're in a business where, I, you know, video games are like the movie industry. It's actually bigger than movies now, 90 billion plus. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a bigger number than that. Uh, so, you know, I grew up on Atari and ColecoVision and Intellivision and, a, uh, you know, little people, uh, Mattel, little football thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I remember getting my Atari. It was like the biggest deal in the world. Uh, and I got Pac-Man. Yeah. I always feel bad because I wanted that so bad and we were poor. And my mom went out of her way to get me Atari. Oh. So mom, if you're watching this, I remember you stressing to get me Atari when we were poor. But Max, uh, I can tell with your setup there, you are not a poor guy. You're a game designer. You guys are really sought after. Tell people about what you do. No thing. So again, congratulations to your daughter and you know, real respect to your mother for going out that way for you, mate, because uh, some people don't respect you. Know, the, even as you said, we're bigger as an industry, but it's not always respected as a medium. But really what I do as a game and level designer, it's my focus to make sure that when people are playing the game, that they feel engaged, that they feel moved emotionally, all that of getting the heart beating if they're in a close quarter combat or elements like that. So really focusing on creating the architectural space that we will go through, right? Whether that is going back to the design of the maze in Pac-Man or that what we see now in major games like we talked about with Cyberpunk, the actual world that the players will explore. It's on a team of myself, environment artists, to really make sure that the space feels believable. And also we encourage different types of movement, but also really engage the player as they go off and explore the world there. So that's real my kind of primary focus in it, mate. Where are you based out of? So I'm uh, currently working remotely. I've just moved back to the UK. I was living in Poland for the last six years. So finally back uh, home in the UK. So it's great to be back with uh, with family now. So yeah, yeah, we got we have a lot of businesses in the UK ourselves. So. Uh, really? When you when, when you when you when you set out to design now, do you design on yeah. one particular platform? Like, what for the public mm -hmm. is like when you build Cyberpunk? What's it? How many different yeah. elements of software are built into that platform? Like, is it built on what? Is it Cold Fusion? What? I mean, I know it's not Cold Fusion. I'm being a smartass <laughs> to prove a point. What 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 are you building it on? For sure. So, I mean, I wish I was smart enough to work on Cold Fusion maybe for that, but the, uh, the real things that we use a lot of is uh, mainly prior game engines. You'll see and know of many which are free to the public to use, which such as Unreal Engine, designed by Epic, or Unity, which are the two primarily big ones. But on uh, that of Cyberpunk, CD Projekt Red really invested their, their money and the skill of their developers to make an engine called Red Engine. And we really use that. Now, there's other software out there that you can use, such as Maya, which tends to be creating that of 
the art pieces, the environment props that you'll see that make the world so pretty as well. And you can use that for animations as well. So there's a lot that go into it, but primarily the focus is that of a, a game engine where we bring everything in together and take the hard work of all these other amazing devs and put it into kind of one space. And as for the platforms, mate, the challenge really there is making sure that it runs across every platform well and still looks as good as it does from each and every platform. And really that's a whole team effort of kind of understanding what is the, the boundaries of each platform and what can we do to push it to make it overall, as I said, consistent throughout. So yeah, game engines, really, if anyone's looking to learn and get into a career, that is the, the main elements that you really want to focus on is that or artist software such as Blender, Maya, Max, which will be known about as well. Have, have you seen anyone build just in the browser like we're doing at bitnow.com? No, I, this is the first I've heard about it, mate. So this is why I'm quite excited to hear about like how you guys came to this and really what was the, you know, what was the inspiration for you to go in this direction as well? Because I'm sure you guys face many different challenges as well. So we, we look ourselves as, we look at ourselves as like a Fortnite at bitnow.com. We look at Mikai Metaverse, the people we build on, is, uh, right. is really like an um, Unreal Engine, right? Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite platform you develop in? Is, is Red something that's your favorite now, or do you, Unreal? What do you, what do you like to, to develop in the, the best? So currently I'm working more and more with Unreal, and I think there's a, a lot with that, because the fact that you know, right, like you've used elements like that already in something that I've not ever worked before. We're seeing it used in TV shows like Mandalorian. So it's so diverse and offers so much out there. So it feels like right now for me, I'm getting to know more of Unreal and I'm really starting to learn to, to love it and learn more, more about it. So Unreal right now is the one that I'm gaining the most confidence with right now. And you do that independently or you do it for specific games that you're part of the development? Like do people hire you and say, we're going to build a game. We're going to give you a contract, or do you work for a bigger game provider? How does how does your how does your development work? Yeah, so right now I'm currently uh, freelance, so I've got my own company where I go off and work for many different companies right now. So they'll contact me, and either we'll discuss such things as that of say, well, do they want me to review the current work that they have, or do they want me to actually construct levels for them? Once we know what's the best kind of uh, deliverable for them, that's when we'll go and decide, okay, well, what are you using? Break that down so I can best learn that for it. So it depends, and that's why it's really important for me in, in my spare time to learn as much of the different software as I can to feel that I'm actually able to help more and more people when they approach me about being part of their team. So when did you launch your podcast? I know you're a podcaster. Uh, how's the podcast going? And Tell us about why you decided to launch a podcast. Yeah, mate. So it's been going on about, I think this come September will be six years, which is crazy for, for me, mate. Uh, that's been that long. <laughs> like, I'm sure you know yourself, just the amount of work that goes into this and having. Well, you didn't just launch a podcast then if it's six years old. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I would say, I think for me, it was more the reason behind it was because of the fact that. Back when I was learning to get into the industry, not many people were talking about design. You'd find a lot of people talking about art and animation because they're tied into other great industries and mediums, but no one was really talking about design. So I thought I'd kind of give back to the community that helped me so much and hopefully been able to help many others improve and 
Growing's getting their dream job as well. So it's, yeah, been good to do so. We're developing a lot of games in world for us right now. We have, mm-hmm. we're developing on our current platform, which is Mikai. Um, yeah. But I did notice you de- you, de- you divide, develop puzzles. And obviously every question I, mm-hmm. I ask is a leading question. So you're an independent guy. <laughs> do you de- de- develop your own like design and, and ideas around puzzle games where they're like original puzzle mm-hmm. games? Yeah, so I can start. One of the ones that I've just been working on was a, a game called uh, Cell. It's not been released or anything yet, but I'm in the prototype staging where it's all about being in one room and how to take one room and make each kind of area its own puzzle, right? So discussing and developing, hey, this wall, you know, instead of it just being flat and plain, what can I do? Can I extrude certain elements to make the players go up or maybe move it from looking at a different perspective? So it's really about understanding again as you know, for the platform, how do players play this? How do players see this? And what's the kind of best way that we can keep them engaged as they go through and start to really explore? So it really depends on each game, how uh, how the best way to design a puzzle. But it's something that I'm fascinated by. It's some element I feel that I need to improve upon as well. But I've been going through and I'm happy with the experimentation that I'm finding right now. And hopefully with a few more stages, I might be able to get this released for out there at some point. Tell us about your work on Cyberpunk. I, I think that this mm. is, um, uh, how big of a game was it? Is it still? And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, your involvement there. Sure thing, mate. So the game is now sold, I believe, over 20 million copies, which is tremendous. And again, you know, all the incredible team members that put in work really, really gave everything they had and spent many of the many nights working hard for it. And my role on that as a senior level designer was really making sure that, as we talked about at the start of the show, really my purpose is making sure that the world felt alive and really kind of was able to be enjoyed by many of the the players, making sure that combat felt fun, that when the player was exploring the world, they had something to actually go off and, and do, as well as having different opportunities and making it feel different from our own world. So really taking the time to look at each kind of district that we have in that of cyberpunk and really pushing that to make it feel distinct from one another. And that was a real big, uh, yeah, big challenge. But as a team, we already worked hard. 20 million copies of cyberpunk though. That's a, that's a lot, man. What platform, what, what, what platform was cyberpunk built on? Yeah, so that was built on, as we mentioned, the, the Red Engine and then released onto that of PC, uh, PlayStation, and Xbox, both PS4, Xbox One, and then onto the now current generations with PS5 and that. So it was a, a big team effort, as we said, to, to get that. And from that, from like marketing to the dev side, as well as many others who are unsung heroes behind that, as you know yourself, mate, like, there's a lot of people that go into making games that are even just part of the, the de- development team as well. And for us, I think it was really just trying to make sure that we really captured the, the people's imagination for this game as CD Projekt Red has a, a huge reputation of, of quality behind it. And then to really make sure that, hey, you know, like this thing's going to be amazing and to make sure that the team was dedicated even after the game launched they were still improving, bug fixing, and focusing on that. So it was a real, yeah, real challenge uh, for everyone. But I think we pulled it off, and 
Yeah. I mean, it blows my mind, mate, when it's like that many copies sold because you never know who's played it, how many people you've reached. So to, to say that that many people have played it, it's incredible. These budgets for, for games now that you're part of, some mm. of these budgets are bigger than like theatrical movie budgets. They're gigantic yeah. budgets. What is something like Cyberpunk cost? I couldn't say off the top of my head. I just know that it was, it was very much, I'm trying to think, it was very much multiple tens of millions without a shadow of a doubt, pushing, pushing beyond that, I think, or close to the above that. So it was a very, it was a very costly project, but in the sense of also rewarding for it, simply because it turned a profit, but also it was able to, again, have all those, that money well invested in every aspect from hiring great people to be developers on this, good leadership, as well as that of like, we talked about marketing and really having the star power of Keanu Reeves also working on the project as well. And now the DLC has Idris Elba. So having them be ambassadors and, and stars of the, the game, you know, we talk about it taking over that of, of films and then having actors of their caliber working on these projects as well. It's incredible, you know, and who knows where it even goes even after this, right? Like this to me feels like the, the first step of crossing over in, in many ways. So yeah, it's a lot goes into, into all of that, but the cost of obviously many different facets for it. Not really an opportunity for a young gamer though anymore, or am I wrong about like, I'm going to come up with the concept of a game and I'm going to build it from scratch because these are, these are hundreds of these games cost millions and millions of dollars or is that yeah. am i wrong and can a guy like you say you know i'm going to come up create a game start it from scratch create my own game company is it still possible or not so it's you've asked this at a really interesting time mate because if you would have asked me this about four or five years ago i would have said no it's possible you're seeing loads of indie devs and with that of twitch streamers as well now being their own powerful marketing tool as well You've seen people such as PewDiePie or insert other big streamers play a game and it suddenly grown popularity. During the pandemic, we saw a game that was called Among Us, which was made by a small dev team released in 2018, I believe, pre, pre-pandemic, and no one was playing it. But then you saw these streamers play it and it just brought in all this revenue for it. So I don't necessarily know now because we're seeing the market be flooded by more and more indie devs going off on this and going off and playing and making their own games. But I think there's still space for it. I think the real hardship right now is finding your audience, making sure that people see and notice your game on the marketplace. I don't think it's necessarily going to be as easy now than it was, say, five years ago. But I've definitely said there are still indie devs competing and making incredible work that are still profitable and make many people very rich from it. Why'd you write a book? I mean, I'm just curious. You're, you look yeah. like a really young guy. How old are you? Uh, I'm 31, mate. I just moisturize. That's the real there secret for me. There. Oh, you wrote a book at a young age. Tell us about the book. Yeah. yeah, so the reason behind the book was, again, I just noticed from my time at university, that we were all given these giant thick books that, you know, I felt, you know, the size of bricks, you could knock someone out. But retaining that information isn't as easy, especially when we're seeing now 
all this educational content moving from YouTube to even more short form on TikTok. And I thought, well, how can I take the medium of books and make this engaging and memorable in its own right? And during my time with the, the podcast and building up my profile on Twitter, I found that more and more people were asking me to, to write a book after seeing some of my design sketches. And I felt during the during COVID, I was like, man, why not do something? You know, I'm trapped inside like we all were at the time. And I thought, there's got to be something better with my time than just sitting down and eating cereal. <laughs> right. So I took the advantage and went for it and really just wanted to make something that people could pick up at any time. It's a small book that you can keep at your desk. So when you're designing, it can be inspiring and really just give you actual applicable lessons. A lot of the time with design in any platform, it talks a lot of theory, which is great. But the only way that both you and I know to be good at anything is actually by doing it. So I really wanted to make a book that really encouraged people to go off, go create, and they can have these lessons just at the tip of their fingers whenever they needed it. So that was a real inspiration for that. Maybe. But you wrote two books, right? Yes. So the... They were both during the pandemic. The first one took about eight months to make. The second one took about four months. So we were really cooking on, on gas at that point. And I'm hoping to release the third, if not the end of this year, start of next year. So it's been a real, real journey and just focusing on different parts of level design that I don't necessarily think uh, are spoken enough about in grave detail, which why combat was really important to, to me because Everyone can say, oh, yes, just make sure people can go bang, bang, shoot or swing a sword. But we need to build spaces where players feel like that they're a badass, that they're the hero or heroine of this journey. So really focusing on making sure that they've got that correct information there. And so, yeah, it was a, a good process, good fun. And they've sold well, as I said, which is great to see. And looking forward to making the third and the fourth when the time comes. What's your favorite, uh, your game, like the thing that you go to to play when you like mm. the game? What's your favorite game? Oh, that's a, a tough one for me, mate. I'd say that one of my favorites has to be uh, a series called Metal Gear Solid. This was like the one that inspired me to, to make games. I remember when I was a, a kid running upstairs to see my dad and my uncle playing this. And I don't think I was supposed to, but they were fighting this this boss, which was a robot ninja, which as like a, a six-year-old, that's the two coolest things you could imagine, right? A robotic ninja. And just the story behind that, the fact that, you know, my my father and my uncle were actually having an impact on the screen. It wasn't just mindless watching. They were actually contributing. That it was their actions and the story behind that. So I'll always go back and replay them and one that I've recently really been loving is the God of War series. Last year, end of last year, there was one called God of War Ragnarok, which again was huge. And they just have some of the best design in that. So those are some of my go-to when it comes to, to playing games, man. When I bring up Atari or old games like Pac-Man, Asteroids, Mission, um, Mission Impossible, what, what's it called? Was it called Mission Impossible? It was a missile game. It was like oh, uh, one-dimensional, right? Yes, I know um, when you're, you're talking and then, about. And then, you know, Lunar Lander, which I hope the editor mm. will go get a screen of Lunar Lander and put it on there because it is <laughs> the most rudimentary, boring thing ever uh, for, for a gamer to see the graphics today. Do you, yeah. do you ever look back at all that old stuff or are you just in the sort of the more modern, uh, unreal kind of stuff that is really crazy uh, graphics today? Some of them, you can't even really tell the difference, especially on like Call of Duty and... 
some just incredible, um, there's just some amazing yeah. stuff out there. I, I, I wonder if you ever look back and just wonder what the hell we were thinking back then. Do you know what, mate? I, I do, because I think it's uh, it's important because you, you mentioned when we, we were talking earlier just how you've attached memories, though, of these games. Like, forget the graphics and that, but they, they stand the test of time. They provoke emotion in us. So I've really been making sure that I look back at these games because even though you know the graphics may not be as good and the controls were far more limited, they still achieved a lot. So I think it's important to always kind of look back and see what they've done and how we can be better from that. It's like anything, knowing the history of anything that you've been involved with is, is super important because it helps us yeah. construct the path and where we know we're going. So I take some time to, to do that because I think it's important, mate. It was Missile Command, by the way. Was the ones that the, was it, right? I used to play Missile Command. Yeah, you got to make sure that. that yeah, that was fun. <laughs> um, I want to. I want to take a right turn. First of all, I'd yeah. like to make this, if it's okay with you, a two-part series podcast. So, sure. I'd love for you to look at Bitnile.com over the next two weeks or so. Let's mm -hmm. you and I get back on again, and I want to get your yeah. feedback on Bitnile.com. A lot of sure. upgrades coming there, including an amazing casino where you can gamble uh, with sweepstakes. It's really fascinating stuff that we're doing in the metaverse where you can wear a headset, but you don't have to wear a headset. It's yeah, on any screen, cool. anything that has a browser, pretty amazing. But I wanna, I wanna take a completely different turn. Um, you being 30, 31 years old and um, yeah. being a game designer and some of the most sophisticated stuff you could do in gaming, what's your thoughts on this chat G GPT thing? This idea that you can just tell it to make a website and it makes a website. Yeah. I use it now, I'm no joke, I use it every day. And I'm wow, fascinated okay. with, this, with this concept and I know it's only through 21, but you being a, you know, you've been a computer guy your whole life basically. Yeah. Uh, have you, are you using ChatGPT at all? Mm. Have you seen some of the functionality? What are your thoughts about it? Yeah, mate, it's, do you know what's so interesting as well? Because you, you, you know business and that. And we saw a lot of like, when it comes to cryptocurrency, that was the, the big boom, right? We saw it with VR as well in terms of technology and how that's moving forward. And right now, as you're saying, with AI assistance, with chat GPT, I've seen one, I've forgotten the name of it, but you can use it to like help generate music. And like, it's still very early on. It's not exactly brilliant music, but the fact you can paste an image and then it'll construct music with some keywords as well is fascinating and one of the tools that was just unveiled a couple uh, a couple months ago at a, a big studio called ubisoft is they're actually using uh not necessarily chat gpt but still ai to help assist write their stories so they have it where for example in these big open worlds we have all these characters walking around but maybe you need these characters to have certain dialogue so all you need to do is select stuff about them gender age range mood and location, and then it will actually generate different kind of dialogues for them. So we're seeing more and more of that being put in the tools that we're using right now moving forward, which is incredible. I've started to use it as well. One of the things we talked about actors uh, a little bit earlier, but instead of uh, waiting for them to practice lines, you now have AI voices that we're actually able to use to just use the lines and test them out first. So it's, it's really fascinating because it's coming into different facets or facets of, of all these production pipelines, which I still don't know what's 
going to go where, but I'm really excited about it and seeing all the different tools there are. So I'm using ChatGPT a little bit right now, but there's still, uh, as I said, other ones that I'm experimenting with, seeing what's the best uh, best one to make our lives easier. But yeah, man, it's it's insane what that uh, what it's being used for. I'm genuinely blown away and also scared a little bit. What, right? what are you scared as a designer that you? I mean, I, I got to think there's always going to be an element of humans telling the computer what to do, but are you afraid at all that we won't, we're not going to be needed at all anymore? It's a weird... Uh, I yeah. mean, I, 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 I can see... I'll give you an early story. I'll never forget sure. that I, I was like, wow, $6 a minute to use a cell phone. Why would I need a cell phone when I can just stop with my pager and use a payphone? Right. Which was stupid. I don't know what I was thinking when I said that to myself. Right. I used to say, why would I need air conditioning when I can just roll down the windows? That was stupid too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And now I look at ChatGPT and I say to myself, well, it doesn't exactly do what I ask it to do, but it sure looks like it's headed that way, right? So isn't yeah. it going to be natural where I'm just going to take my phone and Apple, who is connected, or Android, Google, Connected right here. Isn't my chat GPT just going to become my phone? Yeah, this is the, the, the fascinating thing, mate, because as you said, sometimes it's clearly going in that direction, but other times as we're seeing, it might not always work out like that. Like we talked about VR, it's still a useful tool, but I don't think it revolutionized as, as much as people thought. And the same with that of crypto, we're seeing the market crash, but also people are still, the, your average Joe is still trying to figure out what, what do I do with it per se. So this one, I think I am scared a little bit on terms of how much is it going to change of, of my job, right? There's some things that we're doing instead of, for example, uh, myself building all these worlds with, with other teammates, we're seeing it now where people are able to actually, again, give a rough description and generate full landscapes like the size of Fortnite, right in terms of that that no one's even touched now eventually some human hands have to get in to make it feel good etc so it's fascinating to see that because you don't necessarily know how far it's going to go so i think there is a fear and you know a caution because no one wants to lose their their job right but the other thing is the excitement of how far does it go what is the progression going to be we talked about that scripting tool there that's already fascinating to see because it saves people time and it's used in a productive way so max i could probably talk to you forever about a bunch of different topics about um about gaming and, and what you're doing and creation but like how did you decide you wanted to be a gamer like what what was the you said you saw your dad and your uncle playing but like when did you decide, is that all you've ever done? I, I pretty much have only done what I do, right? I mean, yeah. to some extent, people say to me all the time, how did you learn this? I'm like, well, I just wanted to do it. And so I got obsessed with it, and, and I read everything I can. I still, today, I probably, my wife probably thinks I'm insane. I probably read, I, I consume so much information about my topics, right? And I'm so into gaming now that I'm consuming a lot of it, but I, but I do it from a, I'm an American financier, right? So I finance companies that are in this space. But when did yeah. you decide like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in gaming no matter what? Like, was it 
in grade school? Is there? Can you remember the specific time? How did you decide to be a gamer? I think for me, it, it was when I was about eight years old that I was like, look, I don't know how these things are made, but I want to be a part of it, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, sadly, people didn't know the route either. And I had some teachers being like, you know, you don't get make money making video games and it's not a viable job path and stuff, which, you know, again, is insane to think about now. But like yourself, mate, it was really that seeing this and just being wowed that, it's telling a story, watching people get lost in these these experiences. And from that point on, like you said, just that obsession, constantly trying to learn as much as possible, reading interviews, listening to that of videos behind the scenes, all of these, playing as much as I can, taking notes on it all. And then finding out, hey, there are stuff like tools to make it out there. And just making, I remember my first game that I made was in uh, Flash uh, Editor. It was a simple one where asteroids would fall from the top of the screen and you had two buttons just to move your spaceship left or right to dodge it for see how long you could. Nothing amazing, but I think I did that. I fully finished that when I was about 14 or something. And again, nothing financially uh, viable from that, but it was just something I was like, this is it. I figured it out and I love it. And from that point there, mate, just been obsessed and still love what I do and still try and learn as much as possible. A lot of development in Poland. When you lived in Poland, were you a developer there the whole time? Were you there specifically because you were in development? Yes, yeah, I moved specifically for that of making more video games and working on cyberpunk. A lot of those Polish girls are pretty, so did you like Poland? (laughs) Do you like Poland a lot? (laughs) I had a great time, mate, back when I was in in Poland. What's uh, it called? Uh, My wife likes these things, Polotskis, Poloskis? Uh, oh, um, you know what I'm talking. Pierogies. Pierogies. Did you eat some pierogies when you were over there? May I had too many of them. I think I went off them at the end. You know, it was just like, man, this is too too much. But yeah, I bet. Again, I had a great time. All right, I'd love to do this as a part two, uh, if that's okay. Wait, can I get your commitment there? Is that all right with you? Perfectly good. Mate, oh. Send me over the materials you want me to look at, and we'll go through with for them. sure. And then, obviously, uh, I'd love to talk to you about more gaming. I don't know, like. Sort of, you know, I, I, we didn't get to really get into your first two books, but where are they available? I presume they're on Amazon? Uh, Amazon, and you can find them up on my website, maxpairs.com. So what, uh, what, are you, what are you working on right now? Like if you talk, if, you, if people were interested right this second and said, what's happening gaming that's the most fascinating to you? And I brought up ChatGPT, yeah. but what's, like, what's the most fascinating thing in gaming for you right now? For me right now, there's uh, two things that will hopefully be releasing in the in the near future. I can't say anything on, on dates, but that of uh, the DLC for Cyberpunk called Phantom Liberty. That's gonna be really great for people to play. And another game called Hellblade 2, Senua's Saga, which talks really about, about mental health as well as a, a really interesting action game as well for that. But again, can't say too much NDAs and all this, but those are the two that I'm really excited for people to get to see more as more information comes out. Uh, you know, the game franchises that are out there now, like the biggest uh, out there, in your mind, what, what's staying, what's going? Like, you know, you see this, uh, you, you know that uh, there are certain ones on Xbox, there's a certain couple, like Fortnite, is it, it, it's, it's the biggest engine around, right? I mean, it's the biggest game around yeah. right now, but like, do you see that waning at all? Do you see someone else sort of catching up with them? What, what's your thoughts around uh, the current big games out there? 
Yeah, do you know Fortnite amazed me because I didn't think it would have this this lifespan that it that it's had. And I think the the fact that it's done that with having that of these like virtual concerts, which I wouldn't even have crossed my mind, but they've taken this and made themselves such a, a main staple of culture with that of like when we talk about metaverse, it's already been part of that with I think collaboration with certain fashion brands as well as other brands just out there in general. So I I see that one forever how long there is of this genre of battle royale, I think no one's really going to take over Fortnite. How long that has, I don't personally know. It's it's hard to imagine because we know right now kids are growing up with it. We saw the similar thing in a game called World of Warcraft. It's still going now. I think it doesn't have at one point it had 25 million players, I believe. And now I think it's down to about eight. I could be wrong, but still eight million players is still enough to keep that going. So I think that's the kind of trajectory. It may peter off at some point, but there's always going to be loyal fans. It's interesting because right now we launched March 1st. We're over 850,000 active users. We believe we're going to pass this Saturday or Sunday a million active users. And we're just getting started. We only have about 10 or 15 minutes worth of content. Uh, but yeah. we, we are going to be offering synchronized video in world where you can synchronize with your friends, come in the metaverse and watch synchronized TV. It's really an amazing uh, platform. So I'm anxious to get your feedback on it. Yeah. Uh, and quite honestly, between you and I, would love to talk to you about game design because we are always looking to add more games in world. Uh, this kind of sounds like it's up your alley. But Max, I appreciate um, uh, you know the quick conversation we've had about this. This will be... Uh, I, I, I'll talk to my producer, but this will be something I think will be fascinating to come back to you about what's happening in gaming. Do you do any kind of other commentary around gaming? Are you on other podcasts, or is it just your own podcast in terms of talking about what's happening in gaming? Because I think for us at BitNile.com, this is going to be a big deal for us as we, mm-hmm. we, we believe that we're going to offer a ubiquitous metaverse where any, you can be with just the browser, you, know, you, can, be in, you can be in world immediately, but... What's happening in mobile is we're no, noticing that 90-something percent of all the people on our, our site are mobile. And yeah. is, that, is, it, is it just when you talk about numbers being smaller, we're like 6 million, 8 million, those kind of things are being paid, played on a desktop. That's, that's not really going away in your mind, right? Yeah. No, mate, I, I don't think so at, at this point, just because the fact it's, it's also so tied in with our work culture right now. I imagine laptops are going to change with more and more remote work and you're seeing more people, digital nomads go around. But because the fact that these are so part of our lives, whether it be in the form of a desktop or, or a laptop or whatever the future is, window surfaces, whatever it could be, I think that's still going to be a primary thing. I do think mobile generally, it's, it is one of the biggest money-making areas for games, in my opinion. Now it's just... When I was making mobile games, we were like, okay, we've just got to sell a few thousand and just last for a good few months. Now we've seen people make six-year plans for their mobile games to try make sure they get as much attention as they can. So it's definitely changing, and I definitely think mobiles have also got more and more people into games as well because we all have them. So, yeah, if it's more part of our normal life, I think the more chance it has of staying. Hey, Max, thanks for taking the time. Check out uh, Max's Level Design Lobby, his podcast. Obviously, it's been out for six years, a lot longer than mine. Uh, I'm going to go check it out this evening. 
obviously, Max, appreciate all the work you're doing and, and taking the time with us. We love gaming, uh, probably not as much as you do. Uh, uh, but I, I started off at a young age, and I'm, I'm definitely not as sophisticated as you are in what's out there in gaming, but this is such a big topic, and a multi-hundred billion dollar industry. Uh, Max, we appreciate your time. I look forward to part two. Uh, Christy will be in touch. Max, take care. Appreciate you being with us from England, and uh, have some bangers and mash for us, or whatever. That's the only, <laughs> other than Indian food in, Indi in, in, in England, I'm only eating bangers and mash or Indian food, but... Uh, anyways, where where in England are you? So I'm just down south of London, mate, in a small town called uh, Horsham. So just in the south of it for it right now. We have a business in Salisbury and Huddersfield. So yes, like both of them are. a lot. Anyways, That's take amazing. care, Max. We'll catch up with you soon, my friend. Thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers, bye -bye. buddy. Bye-bye. No, no, it's fine to you. It's fine.